felt led to speak on the topic of enemies of our faith. We must discern, identify, confront, and learn to overcome and protect against the enemies of our faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. There is no other, there, there's no other way to obtain or to the end a good testimony for Christ, but by re the renewing and the defending of our faith. And there are enemies of our, uh, to our faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. Think of it. Think about it. Think of it how, how the enemy wants to steal, corrupt, and abort your faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. There can be a, a services. It can be a faithfulness to church and singing and, and structures, even prayer, even praise, even preaching. But without faith, It is impossible to please him. Let me do a little survey here uh, this morning at Times Square Church. Uh, the, the word of God as a, as a call to, uh, uh, this verse has been in my heart in the last weeks and even years, uh, the, uh, to the responsibility of faith for us that have been walking with the Lord for a season. The responsibility to be models of faith. Let me make a little survey. How many of you have known Jesus? You're a believer. How many of you have been born again for more than 10 years? years. Let me see your hand. Look at that. How many of you are more than 20 years? Look at that. How many of you more than 30 years? Wow. 40 years. No more ladies. No more ladies raising their hands. <laughs> 10, 20, 20, 30, 40 years. To all of us that have been walking with the Lord and singing, worshiping him and, and seeing him so faithful, the author to the Hebrews gives this incredible word to all the young believers. There were thousands of young believers and he actually tells them to look to us. To look to us as, as models. He says in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Remember those who are leaders or elders or uh, uh, are teachers who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith uh, fo follow. Whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's actually, my, uh, uh, it's, it's astonishing to me and it's very humbling, the sense of responsibility that, that the idea here, the, the commandment here is for all young believers to look to us who have shared the word of God with them, to look to us and, for our, and to follow our conduct of faith. And to actually see how we live our faith through the struggles and the pain. And then live our faith through uh, the battles and the, uh, the mourning and the defeats and the, the incomprehensions. And, and, and as you go through, he, see, he says to the young believers, look to, you look to those who have brought the word of God to you and follow their conduct. Amazing things. If you've been a believer for many years, as many of you have, the young believers, your family, unbelievers, backsliders are called to look to you and, and for our faith, for my faith, and for your faith to be the living proof that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That people are to look. Uh, I want you to say to the person uh, next to you, you can look at me. Say that to the person next to you. Because that's what the author of the Hebrew says. He says, look to them. So I need more than salvation faith. I need more than saving faith. Saving faith. Uh, I, mean, I need more than saving faith for heaven. I need now faith for this earth. 
I need more than singing faith or scriptural faith even. Or I need sustaining faith, surrendering faith. And I need supernatural faith every day so that my life becomes the incarnation. My life becomes the living proof that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he heals today and holds us today. And can you, can you say yes, please? Now, the, the epistle to, in Jude, actually even more than, than being aware of the battle for our faith, actually Jude called us uh, to contend for our faith, to fight against the enemies of our faith. He actually, and, and we look at Jude, and Jude is the brother of Jesus. Jesus uh, Mary and Joseph had, had other children uh, naturally after the uh, supernatural birth of Christ. And we have their names in Scripture, James and Joseph and Jude. And Jude only believed in Jesus as Messiah after he saw him resurrected. After the resurrection, we can imagine him in the book of Acts. We can imagine him at Pentecost. We can imagine him, and he becomes an apostle, and he becomes a voice for God. And he, and he writes a letter and he, uh, to believers, and he intends it to be, he says it, uh, I'll read it in a second. He intends it to be a letter of comfort, a letter where we all talk about our common salvation. A letter very in, uh, in line with a modern message where everything's okay, it's all good, we're all the same, uh, 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 all under grace, and, uh, and let's rejoice. In our, uh, let's have a, a kumbaya, a general kumbaya uh, around our, our uh, uh, salvation. And he says it, beloved, uh, well, verse 3 to 4, I, I was very diligent to write to you. This is what I wanted to you concerning our common salvation. But I found it necessary in the Greek. I found it urgent. He is gripped by the Holy Spirit to write to you, to exhort you, to awaken you, to contend, to fight, to battle earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For, why? For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long, long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I had intended just to bring us all together and, and, and just talk about our common faith. But I was, I was seized. I, I was filled. I, I was shaken by the Holy Spirit. And I became urgently, urgently aware that I needed to tell the body of Christ. And I thank God for still today, 2,000 years later, for men and women of God and men of God uh, uh, that stand in this pulpit and still understand that they are enemies of the faith and we need to contend for the faith and we need to stand for the faith because you see why because it wasn't a oh you say you're uh, you're right because of the enemy outside oh in this case he's not speaking of enemies outside he's speaking of enemies from the inside he's speaking of a men that come in and they they've transformed the grace of God into lewdness they literally, they wear the grace of God. They wear it as a label, but they don't walk in the light. They, they, they have a confession, but there's no change. There's no transformation. Uh, they, they sing the song. They, they sing songs of grace, and they sin while they're in grace. 
There's a sense, there's a sense in Jude that we are to be awakened to contend for the faith. Now, when you add the word faith in Scripture, pista or pistus, uh, 228 times, uh, in the original Greek, the its most, its simplest form, its, its, its pro most profound uh, sense is a faith is being persuaded, being convicted, uh, being certain, being assured, who is wholly persuaded and convicted that without this persuasion, this conviction, uh, this sense of being so persuaded of God and His Word and His call on my life and, uh, and of my need, uh, undergrad grace of my need uh, to allow his Holy Spirit to do his work of transformation in me. Without this faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, did you know that, that, that the scripture spe specifically speaks of the last days and says that in the last days, the faith, that, that sense of conviction, that sense of this is the word of God, that sense of I will face God one day, I will be before him, uh, that sense of, 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 of conviction and persuasion will, that in the last days in the body, many will wax, the faith, the pistus of many will wax cold. They will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the very power thereof. So when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Will he find men and women that will be, that will be battling, that will be defending, that will be discerning, that will be crying out with the disciples, Oh Lord, increase my faith. Now when you look at scripture, there's only two times that Jesus marveled. He marveled only two times. Now the word uh, tomazo, uh, marvel, is used 43 times, but only twice by Jesus. And in both in relationship to faith. In Matthew 8, verse 10 to 13, when the centurion comes and my servant is dying, Jesus says, I will go to him. You don't need to go. I'm not worthy of you coming, but just say a word and he will be healed. And Jesus heard it, and he, uh, he tomazo, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, such great conviction and persuasion and confidence, not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed in the same hour. Jesus marveled at this man's faith. The word tomazo means he was stunned. He was, he, he was, he was filled. Uh, uh, Jesus was astonished to find marvelous, to be filled with awe, with admiration and wonder. But the word in Scripture, in the New Testament, also is sometimes used in the contrary, to be stunned, to be horrified, to be angered, to be saddened. And in both cases, it has the uh, implication in the Greek of out of breath. It took my breath away to see this man's faith. So Jesus marveled at the unlimited faith of this man, but he also marveled at what I call the unbelief of familiarity. Only twice did he marvel. He marveled at this man's faith. But then in Mark chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, when he comes to his own country, when he comes among the people that knew him the most in his, in his early years, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and among his own relatives, in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled. He, Tomazzo, he marveled because of their unbelief. He was astonished. He was angered. He was saddened. He was stunned and horrified at their unbelief. The terrible danger of familiarity. 
I pray, I have been praying, even for this message, praying in the last weeks uh, in preparation for this morning. I pray that God would give us a fresh sense. I pray by the grace of God that not one of us that belong to this church would ever become familiar, would ever become, take for granted the presence of God that is here and the word of God that is preached and the prayer life that is here and the fruit of this church and the miracles in this church. Look around you. This entire house is a house of miracles. Can you stop with me one second this morning and say, oh God, we're not familiar. We're just worshiping and so grateful. You are God and you are awesome in this place. Would you say yes, please? And when we look at, as we learn together in these two messages to discern, identify, and confront, overcome the enemies of our faith, we will look today, and we could have looked at many men and women of faith in Scripture, but we will look today at Elijah. So I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings 18. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Everybody, 1 Kings 18. If you don't have uh, your Bible, you can share with the person next to you, or it will be on the screen. The verses will be on the screen as well. Now, when we look at Elijah, we look at a man of faith. We look at a man that, that had to battle against enemies of his faith. But we look at a man of faith. And his faith uh, is detailed in many chapters. But we look at chapter 18, that his faith was faith with a conviction to call kingdom faith. Uh, kingdom choices. Now, if you if you are walking in true faith, that your faith calls you to choices every day, and a, and a true faith, true preaching of faith, calls people clearly to a to convictions and to choices. Uh, in verse 17 of chapter 18 of First Kings. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, he's a king, and that Ahab the king said to him, "Is that you, O troubler of Israel?" But he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have and that, that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baals. We, the church of the last days, will have to stand in persuasion and will have to build, will be, are called to build the kingdom of God. And to call and, and to stand with these convictions. A little bit later on in verse 21, Elijah said, How long? Calling the, the, uh, speaking the word of God to the world, but speaking it to the people. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it's Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. We in these last days will be the people of God that will, will build, will be anointed to build the kingdom of God by a faith in a society and in a world and an ethos that is increasingly and, and uh, violently discriminatory. In a world that calls evil good and good uh, evil. In a world that looks at the church very, uh, uh, with mockery, will look at the church even as a nuisance to be, to be silenced. We, we will be and we are on the great, many pulpits in the, in the world, on great temptation to just fold in. We are called to stand in faith and the faith of God will always call us to choices. Choose ye today who you're going to serve. It's also faith with a, With Christ-like compassion, he is calling, he's standing that persuasion, that conviction for God and his commandments. But there's not, a, there's not a fiber in Elijah that gives up on this world. 
There's not a fiber that, that, that keeps this word at arm's length or looks at the church as turn unto herself and in a bunker mentality. It is even, they, they are so, when they begin to call on Baal, they're, they're completely demonically uh, controlled. And in verse, uh, verse 20, uh, 28 and 29, so they cried out and they cut themselves as was their, com- their customs with knives until the blood gushed out of them. In verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar. So beautiful. Repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. And then he took 12 stones. According to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. To the word of the Lord had come. And he said thou shalt be your name. It's an incredible picture of Christ. And of us his body on earth. They are disgusting. They are violently against God. They are demonically inspired. They are repugnant to everything. And Elijah. But he opens his arms and he says come near me. Come near me. Let me rebuild the altar of God in your life. When I was just a youth pastor years ago, I got a call at 3 in the morning. And um, they, it was a police in Montreal. And they called and they said, are you Pastor Claude Hood? I said, yes, I am. And they said uh, they had a situation in a city where there was a girl who's terribly mentally uh, uh, disturbed. And, and, she, she, uh, and she had locked herself in an abandoned building, but surrounded with, with, with tenement buildings uh, in the projects. And she, and she had soaked herself in gasoline. And she had uh, a fire with her and she had a knife and she was cutting herself and threatening to, uh, to uh, burn uh, herself and just to, to become a torch. And, and, it, and it took it so seriously that they, they blocked the entire neighborhood. They brought uh, uh, firing trucks all around and, and they said, we're calling you because we've been three hours talking to her and nobody can, can reason with her and it's getting more and more dangerous. And she's just cutting herself and, 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 and threatening to, blow a, to, to burn the building down. And, and then she, she reached in her pocket in her jeans and all soaked in the blood she she got out a, a business card and it's from your church and it's you she she's been to your church uh, and, and then I remembered for, from way, uh, years back that, that troubled girl coming we tried to help her my, my wife and I taking her uh, to a teen challenge type center and she ran away and, and I never heard from her again so, so I got in my car Chantal's praying and I, and I drive to the city and I get to all, all uh, the, 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 the police uh, all, all around and they have uh, blocked the streets and this is the man uh, so okay allow him, allow him in and I allow him through and when I got there um, she's behind a wall under that and I, and I they, they were so afraid for my security they said well we can't allow you to go and talk to her try to talk to her through the wall I'm trying to and we're getting nowhere so I said to them you have to let me see her and talk to her so they discussed among themselves and they put a this vest on me and this harness and they they kind of put me in and they said if she moves we pull you out and all that and I and I and I came in and I it was a picture of, of just just insanity all the blood and she's cutting herself and and within about 10 minutes she gave me the knife and I, I remember just taking the knife and holding and, and, and just extending my hand and grabbing her hand and pulling her out and they took her uh, they took her and then and then I but wait it took her away so I drive back at six in the morning and I get I take a shower I go to the office and around 7:38 I get a call and she it's her calling so I said hi and I said I said you're okay Natalie where are you she said well they just put me right back on the street 
And that day when I was walking in the church that morning praying, it just hit me so hard. With all the resources uh, that society can have, they are so limited in what they can. And we, the church, and it just hit me so much, just like Elijah with his arms open. Uh, we have to contend for faith. This, this church is Jesus' arms extended to men and women that only God can pull out. Only God can deliver. Only God can set free. You should applaud more than that. This is our calling. This is who we are. This is who we are. So Elijah is this man of conviction, this man of Christ-like compassion. He's a, he has faith uh, with uh, calling to choices and Christ-like compassion. He has faith with a cry for things to change. In verse 37, his cry is our cry. He says, hear me, O, God, o Lord, hear me so that the people may know that you are Lord. This cry must never, this is a Tuesday night prayer meeting. This is, this is the heart of Times Square Church for all, for three, four decades. There's a cry coming out right in the heart of Times Square. There's a cry going out to God. Oh God, come by your fire, by your presence. Oh Lord Jesus, fill us with that faith that we open our arms in love, but also for your fire to come and consume in us what needs to be consumed and come and show your glory so people will know into 2019 that you are God that's his faith and we will discern identify and we will confront and learn to defeat and to protect against four enemies of his faith we'll start this morning and we continue in two weeks but when we look at uh, the first stage or the first enemy of our faith in first kings chapter 18 we we see that the, our first enemy and we all face it and the, the first stage of the battle in our faith to contend for our faith is what i call simply the invisible The invisible. In, in first Kings chapter 19 and verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, go and eat and drink, for, the, for there is the sound. Uh, the Hebrew said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It had been a long season of many years of drought. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now. Now, now, go look towards the sea. So the servant went and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. So Elijah, Elijah is facing the first enemy of faith. And the first enemy in our battle to contend for our faith is simply the, in, the invisible. We have a contrast here. For, uh, in the realm of the battle of faith, many people uh, go back to eating and drinking once a promise from God has been announced. Eat and drink in, biblical, is a, in the biblical language is often used as a biblical expression that symbolizes spiritual carelessness, blindness. Uh, a, a, a certain uh, spirit, a spiritual blindness or neglect with a focus on self-fulfillment. Let eat and drink and be merry and die. Eat and drink for we die tomorrow. And, and promise, Elijah comes out and he says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And while, while the king goes and eats and drinks, Elijah goes before his God. It's a good question for me and you in the battle of our faith. When there is a, are you, uh, do I protect, uh, do I receive the promise of God, but then protect, 
protect it, battle for it, fight for it, contend for it with my face before God? Or do I sit on a promise, eat and drink and be merry because a promise has been spoken? True faith understands that the promise of God comes, but I am to contend for the faith. I am to pray through. I am to continue. I am to hold on to what God has promised. It is, pretty, it is pretty amazing. Elijah said, I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. In the battle of faith, in the realm of faith, in the battle against the enemy of our faith, we often hear what we cannot see yet. I heard a promise from God. I heard something for my son. I heard something for my life. I heard something for my marriage. I heard a promise from God. I heard... Uh, We can feel Elijah. He says, I heard this. I know it's been a drought. And it's a long drought. If you know the context, it's been a long drought. Elijah's been in a drought. And we, in this case, it was a physical drought. But we go, we, uh, we go in our battle of faith through, through different seasons of, of a dry seasons and drought. We, we go through droughts. It could be a spiritual drought, a relational drought, uh, spiritually, relationally, emotionally. Uh, spiritual, emotional, relational, a drought in love. Just a, just a dryness in my heart in responding to people in love or in patience with someone we're loving and trying to. Or uh, a drought in my confidence for the future. A drought in a marriage relationship. A drought in a relationship with one of, a, one of our kids or, or, or adult uh, kids that have grown. In relation, sometimes, sometimes a drought in our, my relationship with my church. A drought... In my relationship with God. Because I had heard something. And in the battle of faith. Oftentimes. We hear so deeply. And it's so real to us. We hear so deeply. What we do not see yet. Question. What do you do? Where do you go? When the promise comes. And you're in a season of drought. Ahab ate and drank. Ahab went, just, just, just went and, and, uh, and just went and, and, uh, uh, and let the promise drift. Uh, he just went and, and just spun. Uh, uh, what do you do? Elijah went with his face before God. Yes, the promise has come, but I'm here in your presence, God. And I'm speaking to someone here today. The promise has been spoken, but you say, I don't see anything yet. I'm in a season of drought. Now, sometimes... The droughts that we go through are only known to God. And sometimes people around us don't see the droughts we're going through. Sometimes, I would say this way, sometimes my outward situation, my songs, and in some realms of my life, my apparent successes are doing better than my soul. Sometimes I'm going through a drought. And in the season of droughts, I've heard this. This is a promise of God for me, but I see nothing. So Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And then he he came back and he says, "I, I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. There's a promise from God. So he tells his servant, go, go to the the top of Mount. Go and look. Go look towards the sea. You'll see. You'll see it. it. It's coming. God has spoken. I know this is true. I know this is true. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Zach, come on, come on. Uh, Elijah says uh, to his young servants, I want you to run up to the top of Mount Carmel. Go and see and come back and tell me what you see. Go for it. Go, go, young man. Go, go, young man. Go, go to the top of Mount Carmel. I hear the sound. No, don't, don't go. He's on, he's on 51st Street. Come back, come back, come back. 
I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound. I know God has promised that it's been a long time, but it's the promise of God. I, hey, hey, what do you see? Nothing. You see nothing. Go again. Go again. Elijah said, go again. Elijah said, go again. I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. Go again. Go. Come back. Come back. The promises of God are true. My friend Abacuc said, if the promise, if the promise is walking toward its fulfillment, if it's long and waiting, wait for it, fight for it, pray for it, for it is for an appointed time. In the realm of faith, we often hear what we do not see. You went, what did you see? Nothing. Go again. Now, the Bible says that he did it seven times. Do you feel the compassion of this church for this young man? Give him a hand. I don't have, to, I don't have time to go. I should have let him go seven times because, because sometimes it just feels that long. I heard the sound. I know I did. I heard the sound. I know it's God. Go again. Seven times around the walls of Jericho. Seven times let the king be dipped to be healed of his leprosy. And God is saying to someone today, you heard the sound of the abundance of rain, but you are facing in the battle of faith. You are facing the invisible. Go again. Pray again. Stand again. Love again. Forgive again. Hallelujah. Oh, people of God, this morning, do you hear it? Do you hear the voice of God saying to a mother, to a father, to a young man, say, go again, pray again, stand again, love again, release again, give again, trust again, surrender again, worship again, pray again, give him praise again. I love the testimony of, I love the testimony of, of Elgin Staples. He, he's a, I read it and then, then it's verified on so many sources, even in, in some, uh, America, uh, some of the uh, army websites. In the bestseller, Finding Your Way, I read this amazing uh, testimony. This Christian young man, uh, April, uh, August 8 and 9, 1942, on the ship USS Astoria. He, it was the first ship that engaged the Japanese during the battle of uh, Savo Island. And Elgin Staples, a young Christian, his mother is home and his parents, but his mother is praying for him. He was fearful, even began, he left, he, had a spe, he, has, he wanted to do his duty for his country, but it was a very, he, he had known many people around him that came back, uh, having lost, giving their lives for freedom. And he, his mother, just before he left, laid hands on him and prayed for him. And Staple is, is a single man, third class. And on that day, on August 8, his ship is under attack and sunk. And he is floating on the raging ocean, holding on to dear life and praying. Uh, but just saved by his life, his, his life vest. He has, a, he has a vest that he's holding on to, a tube, and he's holding on to it. He's finally brought onto another ship. And would you believe it? The second ship is sunk again. 
And then and as he's floating on the crazy ocean and in the terror, and he's holding on to that life vest, it just, it just, he's just holding on in hours and hours and hours. And he looks and, and he just hits him because uh, it says that that vest, just, just a little sign on it. And it, and it says that the vest uh, was, was built by the Firestone Company of Akron, Ohio. And there's a number there, and he, he, he's thinking, this is crazy. I'm, I'm from Akron, Ohio. I know the Firestone Company. And, and as he's there praying, and then, and, and then when they re- put the story back together, his mother just, just got the news, and the communications were different back then. So she just got the news he's lost at sea. And she's praying, and she's praying. And, they, and then, then, then they finally save him, finally bring him back. And, he, and there's pictures in the newspapers of him when he gets home. With his, and they gave him his life vest that saved his life. And, and, when he's, and he's sitting home with his mom. And he tells a story, tells his testimony. He says, Mom, I'm floating on the sea. And I'm holding on to my life vest. And would you believe it? It was built right here at the Firestone Company uh, in Akron. And there's this number. And, I'm just, and the mother begins to weep. And she says, when the war, with the war, I had to take a job. And I'm now working at the Firestone Firestone Company, I make these vests, and every employee has an employee number for quality control, and this is my number. They thousands and thousands of vests. I want to say to someone... I want to say to someone who needs to hear it when you don't see anything, when, when they're all, there's always going to be people around you that say, I see nothing. There's going to be people around you that say that, you're, bre- you're believing in vain. I see nothing. It's too late. It's too much. It's too deep. I see nothing. This is too big. This is impossible. It's, uh, I, I see nothing. You'll have the devil himself uh, uh, shout in your mind. I see nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing. Go again. Go again. Pray again. Stand again. Come on. I want you to encourage somebody next to you and say to them, go again. Say that to somebody next to you. Enemies of our faith. Our first enemy, the first phase, the first stage battle throughout life, every season of, it's not a first phase, first years of your Christian life. You will go through this in every season of your life. Complete anything that is built for God Anything that is of, of eternal value will at one point look like nothing. Anything that is of God at one point will look like it's nothing. I see nothing. Go again. Because the first battle, the first enemy, first stage of battle is the invisible. And the second enemy, the second stage of battle is the insignificant or the insufficient. He said, go. He said to him, go up again. So verse 44 of chapter 18 It came to pass the seven times, seven times, he went and he said, there's a cloud, but so small, as small as the hand of a man rising out of the sea. And he, and so Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and you go down before the rains stop you. And it happened that in the meantime, that the sky became black with clouds and winds and there was heavy rain. And Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. But the hand of the Lord, the Lord came upon Elijah. And as he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. It's not nothing, but it's not enough. First battle, it's nothing. Second battle, okay, it's not nothing, but it's insignificant. So small. It's like the hand of a man, the vast skies. It's nothing. Well, it's not nothing, but it's not enough. One of the deadliest traps 
in our contending for our faith is the trap of the it's not enough. Not enough change. There's not enough change in my husband. Not enough change in my wife. Don't look at anybody. Look at me right now when I'm this, this, this little section. Not enough change. No, there's, not, there's not enough change. I don't see, there's not enough effort. Not enough fruit. There's not enough. Not enough, God. It's not enough. Not enough progress in this relationship. It's not enough in my home. It's not enough, my kids. What's, they're doing a little bit better. They're not. But it's not enough. It's not enough in the promise, the fulfilling of the promises of God. It's not enough in my career. It's not enough in my, my, my calling before God. Sometimes it's torn, turned towards us. I don't, not enough recognition. Not enough. Nobody's seeing it. Not enough. You know, not enough. Not enough doors opening. It's not enough. It's not enough comparing to what I heard. It's not enough comparing to how much I put into this. It's not enough comparing to how much I prayed. It's not enough comparing to what I was hoping for. It's not enough. It's that dangerous season in our faith where the progress does not match the promise. It's not enough. And the not enough is a deadly, deadly poison. Let me, please hear me. The enemy cannot stop God's reign, but he can stop you from running towards it in faith. He can make you many, I've seen in 35 and more years of pastoring, People that gave up on the not enough. Not enough change. I'm giving up on this marriage. Giving up on my kids. Giving up on my calling. Giving up on my church. Giving up on following God. Not enough. Not enough. Not, not enough. I want you to know that true faith. Verse 44. See Elijah's reaction. What, what do you see? I see nothing. Go again. What do you see? I see nothing. Go again. Seven times. He comes back. What do you see? Ah, so small. Just like a, He goes, let's go. Gird up. Let's run. The rain's going to be so awesome. Come on. Let's run towards it. Let's run towards the rain. True faith. Contend for the faith. Enemies of our faith, they're not enough. True faith celebrates the small beginnings. True faith celebrates the small beginning riddled with imperfections. Now you can look at somebody next to you who's riddled with imperfections. True faith celebrates the rain drops before the way before the abundance of rain. Faith, true faith celebrates the smallest bud that will grow into great fruit. Faith does not despise the day of small beginnings. Faith does not fall in the traps of the not enough. Faith does not fall in the trap of this is insignificant. This is just loaves and fishes in a kid's hands. This is just stones in a teenager's sling against a giant. No! True faith says, my God, what I have I bring to you and I celebrate what you have begun. He that has begun a good work in me will perform it. Mm -hmm. there, there's this really, there's traps. True faith is aware, is discerning of the traps of the insignificant. When you are beginning to compare, when, when you are falling in a trap, this is not enough. This is not enough. There's many traps. There, there's the traps, there's the, there's the traps of the enemy, the traps of comparison and human ambition. It's not enough compared to yesterday. It's not enough compared to uh, someone else, uh, somewhere else. I'm comparing with, it's not, it's not, when I'm comparing it with, with my, what I had in my heart, what I had envisioned, with my, my ambition, with my timetable, 
It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not, it's not enough. This is a society now with the social media where people spending hours every day comparing themselves with others. Looking at everybody else's Facebook and Instagram and with all the, the filters and the, all the, everybody looks better than they really do and everybody looks, uh, and everybody, and look at the restaurant they're eating and look at their kids, they look perfect and look at that car and look at those vacations, look at that job and look at, well, let's have a moment of confession. How many of you have ever posted something on the social media that really did not fully reflect the full experience? So anybody? Let, let's make a call for all liars to come in. You know what I mean? You're showing pictures of your vacation and you're telling the kids, come on, is this for the picture? Look happy! <laughs> and you finally get everybody's head and there's seven filters after and then, and then touch up, uh, computerized touch up and tans and all kinds of stuff added. And you're putting on the picture of us in the car on our way to the beach and really you fought all afternoon. It was hell in the car. You know what I mean? Say to somebody next to you, other people do it too. Say that to somebody. <laughs> comparison on, on social media, but also comparison in the spiritual. Compare to, comparison, or, or even an, another trap, comparison in human ambition. Uh, or, or the trap of conformity that will not allow God to bless in a different way. This is how I prayed it. This is how I saw it happen. This is how God blessed me in the past. This is how it must be. Not enough. This is, I, I want to say to somebody next to you, uh, your temple of yesterday will not be the only way God will build your temple today and tomorrow. Now, in the book of Haggai, you have this moment where the people of God, after I've been gone to captivity, come back. God in his mercy brings them back and they, they begin to try to rebuild the temple. And they get discouraged. It's not enough. It's just not enough because they had in mind the glory of the former temple, the temple of Solomon, one of the wonders of the world. And, and they come back and for 17 years, they leave the, word, the, the work uh, interrupted. And in Haggai chapter 1, he says, no, the Spirit of God comes and, uh, upon the leaders and upon Zerubbabel and upon the governors and upon the, sacri the, the, uh, the high priest and then upon the people. And they all come together. But again, in chapter 2, they, they're giving up again. It's not enough. It's not enough. And God goes to the very root of it. You can read it. It's not on the screen. But you could read it in Haggai chapter 2. God says, how many of you saw this temple in its former glory? There's very few of them. Haggai uh, was 70 years old. He, he, he was one who saw them. Most of them had not even seen it, but they were comparing it with the past and comparing it with what other people uh, had said. And it looks so, so, and God actually says, is not, is this not in your eyes as, is, is this temple not in your eyes as nothing? How do you look at it now? Is it not in your eyes as nothing now be strong go again be strong and it will be according to my covenant and my spirit is with you and the glory of this temple will be glare will be will be greater than the former I want to say to somebody next to you, don't put God in a box. This is the way it has to be done. This is the way God blessed me in the past. This was a temple. Nothing can compare to it. His mercies are new every morning. Don't you limit him. And history, they start, when God said the glory of this temple will be greater than the, the former, they, that's just not possible. They're standing on stones and rubbles. And, and historians actually will say that that second temple in its physicality never approached 
the, the, the wealth of the, the, human, the, the human beauty of, of the past, of the, of the former one. What is God saying that? What is God saying? God, all through the Old Testament, is announcing Jesus Christ. He is saying there's a new temple coming. And, 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 and it will, God, Jesus will offer his life. Sacrifices would go day and night. Uh, it would go through day and night. But it will be one sacrifice. And the temple will not be building made by hands of stone. It will be billions of temples of the Holy Spirit. I will come. The glory will come and dwell in human beings for the millennials to come all the way to Times Square Church in 2019. The, the, the second temple is much greater. The second temple is the church of Jesus Christ. And, and what started is not enough. Oh, come on, shout with me. And what started as not enough became the glory of God beyond anything they could imagine. And when, when Elijah, Elijah, what do you see? Nothing go again. What do you see? Almost not. It's, it's not enough. It's insignificant. It's like the hand of a man. Run towards it. And as Elijah ran, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came in him. He came upon him with might and power. He outran the horses. The hand of God came upon him in supernatural strength. Would you remember this, please? Never forget the cloud, like the hand of a man, so small, not enough, prepares the conquest of the hand of God upon your life, if you trust him. I would close with this, and I'm going to ask the musicians to come. True faith never curses what appears to be not enough. True faith blesses and offers to God what seems not enough. I close with this moment. You all, many of you know well. The Gospel of Mark chapter 6 as the musicians come. The multitude is, is starving. Jesus has taught them many things. And when time came to feed them, disciples said, send them away. The disciples are bemoaning their lack, lamenting their not enough. But Jesus, when he had taken the five loaves and the fishes, looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And when they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of fish, and who, now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Jesus did not curse the not enough. He blessed the not enough. And he offered it to God. And as he offered to God is not enough. His eyes trusting in the one that is more than enough. God multiply. God multiply. The rain came. The hand of God came. I've seen this in every season of my life. And I'm seeing, I'm, I'm bringing this as a simple reminder to elders, mothers, fathers, men and women that have walked with God for a long time. You still need to contend for your faith. You still need to be aware. And you still need to come to God and to say, Lord, with all the invisibles in my life where I've been tempted just to, to say, I see nothing. There is nothing. I, I heard, but I, I don't see. The Spirit of God says to you, go again. Trust me again. Bring it up to me. And for all of us who were in the traps, but we're sinking in the mire. We're sinking. We're in the sinking sand of the not enough. And it was bringing thoughts in your mind, in your heart of giving up. 
on very, very serious commitments between you and God and maybe between you and people you love. And ideas and thoughts that were from hell itself. It's so, it's so small, it's not enough. And, and, and not, not so directly, but in your, in your flesh, there was a sense of almost cursing the not enough. This is not enough. The Spirit of God comes to you today and says, oh, bring me, you're not enough. Blessed and not enough. Offer it to me. And when you are going through a drought, or when you are going through a storm, wrap your arms around the basket of his provision. He, he offered, God blessed and multiplies, and it was 12 baskets, one for each of the disciples. And they entered the next storm with their arms around the basket of his faithfulness. The basket of his, his faithfulness and his provision. The, because the, the spirit of the not enough is blinds us, robs us. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your faith. It will rob you of your praise. It will rob you of your giving, of your generosity. I've not been blessed enough. It will rob your faith. It will rob you of your commitments. It will rob you of your impact to, to model Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, I'm 57 years old, and, and every year of my life, and this year again, I've had to come and say, God, there's some things that I heard in my spirit. Some of them years ago, some of them more recently. I heard it from you, but I don't see anything but I'm standing on your promise I'm standing on your faithfulness forgive me forgive me for saying it's not enough not enough it's not enough forgive me it's not enough compared to what I had dreamed what I wanted for your destiny oh God it's not enough it's not enough compared to how much I love how much I gave how much I forgave God it's not enough forgive me I want to bring it to you today and say oh my God I bless your provision in my life. I see the hand, I see the cloud, oh God, and I know that the cloud that in my human eyes seems so small like the hand of a man is actually preparing the hand of God's work and sovereign provision in my life. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people shout amen and amen. You prepare something. Can we stand? Can we stand and really give him an ovation? Can we stand and give Jesus a standing ovation today? Come on. People of God, would you shout unto God? Can we sing? Can we sing our great is our God? Can we sing our great is our God? But full blast with all the musicians. And this is the call today. Don't go right away unless you really have to bow your head for a moment. This is a life-changing moment for many. If you're able to be here, if you're able to be here on August 11 in two weeks, come back. We will see how we go from enemy number one, the invisible and the insufficient or insignificant. And how the enemy works, we'll see it through Elijah's life, but we will see it in our own lives. How he works through isolation and intimidation and how we can break intimidation from the devil himself over our lives in the next message. But today you're here and God brought you here. You might be coming to this church for a long time or you're just visiting, but you're not just here by coincidence. God called you here this morning to speak this word to you. And God, I come to you today by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray for that conviction of the Holy Spirit. You convict, oh God. This word, I believe, is from you. I shared it 
in my very, very imperfect way. But your word, oh God, your anointing breaks every yoke. So today I pray now for an open heaven and I pray for your people to respond to your word. And as they respond, oh God, you will, you will come and go deep in their spirit and you will move and you will change and you will free them and you will speak fresh words to their hearts and remind promises that the enemy that almost silenced. And the voice of God will come clear again and say, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain for you. Go again. Offer me, you're not enough. If you're here today and this is a call, Jesus marveled. He marveled in, in wonder and in joy at their faith. But he also marveled in sadness and brokenness over the unbelief of conformity. So if you're here today and, and this is the call as clear as I can make it, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Claude, this message was for me. I have been facing an invisible. I had heard the voice, the sound of the abundance of rain. But time after time after time, I saw nothing. There was nothing. There was an impossible. There was an invisible. And even, even people around me and even the enemy himself have been saying there is nothing. But today I want to bring my invisible to the to God. I want to bring, I want to bring it to him right now. I want to bring that person, that situation, that hurt, that pain. I want to bring it and offer it to God and ask him to give me strength to go again, to believe again, to stand again, to pray again, to trust again, to forgive again, to love again. If you're here and you have an invisible to bring to God, I want you to come out of your seat right now as if you're carrying it right, even to come and say, Lord, I'm bringing my invisible to you. I know, I know that I have said there is nothing and others have said there is nothing and the enemy said there is nothing. But I'm believing in you. I'm trusting in you. And I will go again. You come. And as you come, you begin to lift your voice to God. Come from all over. Come from the balcony. And if you hear and really clearly you say, I, I, I've never heard the message quite that, that personal toward with me. But I have been saying it's not enough. I have been in that, that, that valley, that drought of the not enough. It's not enough. There was something, there was a situation where there was a, a battle, there was a, an issue in my life, a person, an issue, a situation where I really, I was, I was filled with the spirit of not enough. And the enemy had me comparing and the enemy had me comparing with the year, the former temple and the years back and elsewhere, someone else. And today I want to bring my, I want to come even in repentance. I want to come in faith and I'm bringing my not enough to God. I'm bringing them to him. I, I see the cloud like the hand of a man. I'm coming and bringing my loaves and fishes. And I know that that cloud that seems so small, that progress that seems so small like the hand of a man is preparing the hand of God, the hand of his sovereignty, the hand of his purposes, the hand of his promises being fulfilled in my life. If you were afflicted coming into this building, with the spirit of the not enough. It's, it's insignificant. It's not, it's not enough. I want you to come and bring it to God today. Come on. You need to talk to God. Whatever it is that you've come to him with, whether it's the invisible or the insignificant, give it to God right now. Lift your hands to God all over this house, your voices to God. You know the promises that he's made to you, the visions that he's given you, the dreams, all these things. Begin to talk to him. Lift your voice to God. You begin to pray. You begin to talk to him. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Only you can talk to God. Only you know the promises he's made to you. Begin to express your need to him, but begin to express your faith to him. 
come to him again as we've heard. We're coming to you again today. Lord, we're coming to you again, God. Lord, with what you've promised us. Lord, with what you've placed in our hearts, God. We yield it to you, God. Lord, oh, we put all our eggs in one basket. We put all our trust in Jesus. Lord, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. God, we come to you. Lord, there's no plan B. There's no plan C. No plan D. No plan E. Lord, you are plan A. You are the only plan. You are the only agenda. Lord, you are only God. Lord, our confidence and our trust is in you, Jesus. We yield to you today. God, we surrender to you today. Hallelujah. Come on, you talk to your God. You begin to talk to him. You begin to talk to him. You begin to call on his name today. Begin to call on the God who created you. Hallelujah. The God who holds your breath in his hands. The God who started a good work in you and who promised to see it through to completion. Glory to your name, God. Lord, our hope is in you. Our eyes are on you. Our trust is in you today. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for speaking so powerfully, so mightily to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for a word in season. We thank you for a word that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path ahead, oh God. God, we receive your engrafted word, which is able to deliver us, which is able to lead us forward, oh God, into the future, into what you have planned for us, God. Now we thank you for the victory, Lord. We thank you for the victory over discouragement. We thank you for the victory over the lies of the devil. Lord, we thank you for the victory over the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. We bless you for freedom today. We bless you for a peace that passes all understanding. We bless you. Lord, we bless you for vision for the future. Lord, we thank you for a purpose, Lord. We thank you for your calling, God. God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, begin to praise him now. Hallelujah.